You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 196. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much as always, as always, as always for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by squarespace.com. To try out Squarespace for free, go over to squarespace.com slash lively. And if you want to go forward with your service, enter the code lively at checkout to get 10% off. At the end of the show, we'll be speaking with Joy Laform of joylaform.com about her experience with the service. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. This is another Q&A episode. I am here in my flat in Sydney, in Potts Point specifically, speaking to you after a pretty big week, first week of Flow With Intention and Life With Intention and getting episodes ready so that Joe, our podcast producer, can go on vacation next week. So it is now my Saturday morning, which is thankfully, I think it's Friday at some point in the day in America as I'm recording. So I am getting this done for Joe, and then I am heading out for the weekend. So I'm going to go over to Woi Woi, I think that's how you say it, to see some friends that I have made here in Australia and spend the weekend with them. But in the meantime, like I said, we have some questions that you would like me to answer. So let's pull them up on Instagram. I've done no preparation. Sometimes I'll pull them up ahead of time and write little notes to myself. This is going to be totally off of the cuff as we get going. So just stay tuned. I'm curious to see what's going to happen as well. These are just going to be my off the cuff initial responses for you. So let's get started. Number one, we have in it for the long run blog. That's a great one. I'm currently spending three months in London, one of my favorite cities ever, but I'm also in a long distance relationship. I'm having some amazing days where I feel like I'm in the flow, but then I have a lot of guilt that I've left my partner behind. It's also making it harder for me to make new friends because I think a lot of my energy is poured into missing him. I'm so torn between pure happiness flow and a lot of sadness. Also, your show has been an incredible resource. Thank you so much for your work. Wow, that's not even a question. I think that's just an emotion (laughs) share there, but thank you for sharing it. I think that what this would mean if you were to put it in law of attraction, Abraham Hicks terms would be that there's a lot of contrast and mixed desires here. So I would just recognize that you have that mixed desire. You want to see him and you're traveling and finding flow that the dual desires are kind of sometimes in alignment and they're, you know, you're feeling flow or they're in a misalignment and you're not feeling flow. As you've already mentioned, this is no surprise here, but I would write to your intuition whenever you're feeling out of flow to find how you can get back in. I think that that contrasts until you have real deep peace from your intuition and really can lean into that in every moment, which is, let's be real, not always the easiest thing to do will be the experience you're going to have. So I think what you're having is a totally normal experience. That doesn't mean you're ever going to be fully in alignment unless you're fully living every second in the intuition. And if that is impossible, or if that's not something we need to really stress ourselves out with, then we can just recognize that the ebb and flow is going to happen when we're in alignment, we'll be in alignment with what our inner being feels about the situation. And when we're out of that alignment, we will feel the contrast of that. So I think eventually you're going to have clarity one way or the other, whether to stay traveling or not, or to go back and to be with that partner. I think you just right now are looking for more data. You're looking for more data collecting, as Abraham would say. All right, so now let's move on. We've got Hawkins Skewy. (laughs) I'm probably getting that uh, handle wrong. She says, hey, Jess, I love you. Thanks for being so real. 
I was wondering if you're going to be speaking to any of the political situations in the US. Keep being you. It's so great to see your joy. As you guys know, I answered that question on Tuesday, so that has already been taken care of. Now let's move on. We got Sab Fa who said, hey Jess, my question, I have led a lot about the law of attraction and I've made many astounding experiences so far, but there's one thing I really can't wrap my head around. It's the idea that we not only attract the good experiences, but also the worst experiences like abuse, violence, and so on into our lives. I can't help but feel resistance to the thought that victims of neglect, war, etc., are responsible for those kinds of situations. It just leaves a really bitter taste and kind of a blame the victim feel. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Keep up the good work, many regards, and good vibes from Germany. Okay, I think I've said this in another Q&A episode as well. To answer this from a place that's totally rational, five sensory experience only, to not look at more transrational or seemingly out there woo-woo concepts like multiple past lives and all of that stuff. If you're not going to go into that, I do find it very hard to wrap your head around. If you're open to those other aspects of things like past lives, which you may or may not, depending on who you are listening to this episode, that is going to be easier, more difficult to find peace with. So that's all I can say is if you're not open to thinking that there is more than the single life experience in our flow of the universe, then I think it is very difficult to accept. And that's okay. I don't know that you need to accept it. If you're not on that place, if you're not at that point, then you don't have to. I personally do feel like the law of attraction is true. I feel like trying to explain it in terms of pure rational, I can't do for you. So if you're asking for me to purely rationally answer that, I can't. But at transrationally, I can see all things through love. And kind of like the point of the episode on Tuesday, learning to my intuition, I would try doing the same if you're feeling like you are having a really hard time wrapping your head around it. I would try writing to your intuition because it's going to tell you the exact answer that you need to hear for you to understand whether you resonate with that concept or not on those more difficult subjects. So that would be my suggestion for you. I don't have the perfect answer for you, and especially not if you're trying to look at it from there's only this life experience. Nothing existed before we were born. Nothing exists after we take our last breath in this body. If that's your whole feeling on life, I think it is very difficult. But if you are willing to open and expand your concept of life to be beyond just this one, you know, maybe 22 years to 80, 100 years of our life, if this is not the only chance we have to live, then things become more open and fluid and interesting, but also sounding crazy to pure rationalists out there as well. So There you go. That's my answer to that one. Now we have Katie Ashley Love who said, Jess, do you have a mailing address while traveling? She wants to send me a book that's so sweet. I do not have a mailing address while traveling, Katie, but thank you so much for the sweet offer to send me a book. That's so nice. Now we have Erie SX who said, what does work better for you in creating an amazing life? Do you consciously decide what you want and then focus on that to manifest it? Or do you prefer to let the universe surprise you? Thank you. Oh, this is so interesting. Okay, I kind of do both and it depends. So if I can get into alignment and be more specific about what I want, I will get as specific as I can while still feeling positive. 
If I get all caught up in the drama of my ego's shiny penny details about something that it takes me out of alignment, it takes me out of feeling good and it starts to make me feel more thirsty for that thing, like I can't feel happy until it's in my life, then that's a sign I need to go more general. And by that, I mean I either need to go to the feeling place of whatever I think that thing will be. Let's say for this year, Dating, for example, has definitely been my ego's big shiny penny to think about. So if I can be detailed and descriptive of what I hope my partner and I have in our lives and what that looks and feels like, but if I start to get thirsty and go, why isn't he here yet? Or any of those ego drama stuff, then I need to go more general and go, I really want to feel loved. It feels wonderful to feel connected. It feels wonderful to feel supported. And then go find ways to tap into those feelings in my current life experience without a partner. So hopefully that explains that. And we have Allie Thompson who said, hi Jess, thanks so much for all your hard work on the podcast. Your episodes on alignment have really been resonating with me. However, I'm very new to putting this into practice. What do you recommend for a beginner on the journey to get into alignment on a daily basis? I'm having trouble finding that groove and shaking the idea that more work matters. Oh, so good, Allie. I hope you go re-listen to the frequency episode whenever you feel like you need to, the work frequency one. So if you want to go listen to why intensity is not as important as frequency, if you're willing to get into these transrational concepts, you can go listen to jesslively.com slash work frequency. Also, I'm working on a little thing that's going to be coming out in the coming weeks about alignment more detail. So I'm not going to get too far into that yet, but I will say having trouble finding that groove, basically start off your day and try to do things that make you happy for as long as possible. And in the most recent episode I shared recently about perceived reality, start to recognize that you're only going to notice 2000 out of 400 billion things per second. Start to find the 10 things deliberately that are in alignment with things that you appreciate right now. And I think that's going to help you as well. Those are just quick things, but I will be having more details, like I said, about alignment in an upcoming little thing I'm gonna make for you. So stay tuned for that. We've got Ahija, I may not be saying that right, who said, hi Jess, I've been wanting a chance to ask, number one, how do you meet people or date them in your new locations? And are you ever nervous about meeting new guys? Two, do you keep up with social issues and do you ever plan on talking about them? How do you feel about all the discrimination and injustice going on in the world? Okay, wonderful question. As you know, I answered the part about the news and world events on Tuesday in terms of dating and new locations. So. A lot of times, if I'm especially if I'm only going to be in a city for a week or two at most or even less, and I do feel like going on dates, then it is super helpful to use dating apps. And especially a lot of travelers and super travelers tend to use the dating apps like Tinder because honestly, they're just all around the world. And people may have different experiences on Tinder. I truly believe, my friend said this so well yesterday. She goes, it's just a portal. It's just a channel. It's just a neutral place. It's not that everyone has the same desires, but your frequency has a ton to do with your experience in that channel. Just like in real life, as you're walking down the street, the people you meet, notice, or interact with are a I think kind of a vibrational relation to where you are in your vibrational frequency, law of attraction style. So 
I try, if I'm ever going to use the dating apps, to be in a really, really, really good place and then look for people that have certain things in their profile, like really filled out profiles. I'm not looking for, typically I will like barely ever match with anyone that has an empty profile. I want to learn more about them. If they're not willing to put in some sentences or something to give me some feeling of their energy, I'm not interested because I don't know what their desires are, what they're actually like. So having actual pictures that are well taken and have a more filled out profile than empty are some of the things that help me read their energy. And also just literally looking at their faces and reading their energy from the photos. That's not always perfect, obviously, but I do think if you're in alignment, you're going to resonate with certain people that are at a similar frequency. And those are more likely the people that you'll match and actually meet up with in person. And because of that, I've never felt nervous about meeting new guys. I've had extremely wonderful experiences and have nothing to say bad about that. But I think that's because of law of attraction and what frequency I've dialed into when I use it. And I notice that when I use it and I'm not in a great frequency, either I, I really, I don't have bad experiences per se. I just usually don't end up meeting people or finding any matches that I'd actually like to make and actually meet up with in real life. Now we have Du Sund who said, thank you for everything you share. Your journey is an inspiration for so many of us. You shared in a prior episode that you might spend up to two plus hours on any given day, making sure that you are vibrationally in alignment. What does that actually look like? What are your newest daily practices? Thank you for your time and honesty. So it depends on the day, but it's whatever's going to lift me up emotionally. So I start off my day with 15 minutes of meditation and listening to songs that I really like. <laughs> it's pretty simple. That's what I start in the morning. I'll usually listen to some Abraham Hicks as well in the morning, eating breakfast that I love, getting ready for my day. I take time to get ready. And then I go to coffee shops if it's during the work week. And I'll usually lately find a lot of alignment in either doing a rampage of appreciation, which is writing out all the things I appreciate in my life. Even as I'm walking, I'll do that too. I'll appreciate all the things I can think about in my life or my that's been in my life in the past, or even being appreciative of things that are not in my life now as if they already are. Again, practicing the vibrational reality of them without feeling thirsty. If I can't do that, I won't think about that subject. But if I can have that appreciation as if it's already here, I will think about that too. And then, like I said, reading and studying quantum mechanics and neurology and law of attraction and soul stuff, all of that stuff gets me super aligned and I'm really enjoying that. So that's what will take up many, many hours of my day, depending on what my day looks like. Now we have MC Nola who said, how did you find your remote team? I aspire to do that type of work and I'm wondering how to encounter it. That's so interesting. I've been doing this for what's like eight years now. So I kind of picked up the people along the way. Everyone's a little, got a different story. I put out a call for help. That is how I met VK. VK is our manager. She knew someone that listened to the show. The person that she was friends with must have told her about it. And then she reached out and was the perfect fit. Tony, the COO, I met through a guy I hired for book marketing. And though we didn't actually work together yet, he introduced me to Tony. So that's how I got to Tony. Joe, our podcast producer. Joe, it's probably editing this going, I know how we met. It was through this. 
<laughs> Joe, I don't remember how we met. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And we have Raven who was hired by VK. So I actually don't even know how Raven and VK know each other, but they knew each other. And then Alana started making graphics for Lively Show episodes and quotes on Instagram. And they were so beautiful. I loved them. And then started working with her. And then she's become our in-house graphic designer that does projects on a project basis. So she has her own company as well. Oh, we got Megan over the vlog editor. She's fantastic. Oh God, love you, Megan. So Megan... I think she listened to the show. Again, I think she also has some friends from Pop and Banter that listened to the show and heard me looking for a vlog editor and put us in touch. So that's how I met my team. Now we have Six Trees who said, Hi Jess, I love your podcast. I'm still fascinated with how you're able to purge all of your belongings. Did you throw out things that were handed down to you from grandparents? Old school reports, those wine flutes you got for your 18th. I'm surrounded by stuff and I don't know what to do with it, but have the urge to simplify my space. Thanks Jess. Okay, so there's kind of a few different categories here. You said, yeah, I didn't throw out. Most of it was donated, gifted, or sold. So I sold like 90% of the stuff to the person that bought the house. And then the other stuff that I put on the basement, I had like a little pile of items that I thought I would want to come get later, like shoes, clothes, purses, coats, and some of those personal items, like stuff handed down from grandparents. I have a few things still from the grandparent stuff. However, I really looked at it when I went back and went into that pile of stuff under the staircase in the basement when I went back in October and I got rid of 90% of that stuff. So I downsized to like 1% of what I own. I have basically what would fit in a trunk of a car sitting in Michigan in a friend's basement. So the grandparent stuff, I have a few things like some vases and like a picture of my grandfather that went from when he was young. Old school reports, totally don't own those. Wine flutes from your 18th, totally don't own those. <laughs> so that kind of stuff I just donated. And if it was an old school report, I don't think I've ever had really old school reports. My mom might have saved some of that stuff a little bit. I do have a Ziploc baggie full of photos. So from my childhood, I do have like a Ziploc baggie of photos. So that's kind of part of the memory stuff. That's just what I have. So you have to go with your Marie Kondo, what sparks you joy. I kept thinking, would I want to bring this stuff to London if I moved to London? Since I have no idea where I'll move next and I ideally would love to move internationally, I think that was a huge help in me recognizing, no, I don't want to bring this bulky stuff and ship it across the world, literally, to have it there. So that's what I thought about. Is this a fit for my new life? Wherever, by the way, that new life happens to be or whatever it looks like, I don't even know, but I just kept thinking, does this feel like a fit for my next chapter as I know it to be now? And I'm not looking at regret or worrying about what will happen. I have resources. I can buy new things. Things are things. Memories are in your head. There's a very big difference between the two. So now we have Isabel SF who said, I've heard Australia is super expensive compared to the US. Have you found that to be true? Yes, but thankfully, American dollars go further than Australian dollars right now. I think we're at 25% more. So it kind of feels like whenever you see a $50 bill for your meal at a nice restaurant, you're like, well, at least it's 25% less of that as an American. That doesn't mean that Australians aren't living in a very expensive city to be here. And it depends on what city in the U.S. you're comparing it to. I would say it's on par with New York and San Francisco. So if you feel those are expensive, which compared to most cities in the U.S., they are. So yes, it is. Minimalist Baker, oh, hey, Dana, says, hoping you can share some of your diet, exercise, beauty changes you've made to continue balancing your hormones and improving your skin. Oh, I love Dana. She and I have been talking a lot about our hormone journeys together 
as you may have remembered her episode recently where she shared she's been going through some health things as well. We keep text messaging and calling each other and filling each other in on what's working for us or if I find something I think might be helpful for her journey, I'll send it over to her. So thank you for your message, lady. Here's what came to me. I remember this comment and a lot of people had liked it, so I knew a lot of people were excited to hear about this subject. So I'll go into it a little bit. You guys have heard me drip pieces here and there about it. As I was walking the other day, I had this realization of inner, outer, upper, downer. So there's four different areas I've been thinking about and working on with this whole skin and hormone thing. So the inner would be the supplements and the foods that I'm consuming. So I have found that through <laughs> lots of random things in this journey, I won't go, I won't take an hour to explain all of this, but I'll just say I have found that I had some food allergies that were potentially at play as well with my hormone journey and just things that may have caused inflammation that was hurting my hormone ability. So or my ability of my body to produce hormones. So I've been generally speaking 89 to 96% avoiding gluten, dairy. I don't choose to eat meat except for fish already. That's just a personal choice. And then I found out I had some allergies to eggs and peanuts at the moment and wheat. So those things I avoid. And then I take DIM, that's called DIM, that is a supplement that is really good for skin and hormones. I take B-complex right now. I've taken Incital at different points, Saw Palmetto and Vitex, a bunch of stuff like that. It's getting better. It's still triggering here and there on my cheeks, which is Chinese face mapping says is related to my stomach. So now I'm actually kind of very curious on how this last little phase of this, I believe, will pass and then I'll start working on the scarring that has happened. But so that's the inner stuff is the food and the supplements. The outer is getting facials. As I've traveled, I have now found my little system personally is to Google best acne facial in whatever city that I'm in. And then I find basically the Yelp review or equivalent that has like, I've said basically in about four or five cities I've done this. There's usually one place on Yelp, especially if you're in the US, that will have like 55 star reviews for some acne place. And all of these people that have acne rave about Magdalena or, you know, Sophia or whatever in their city. And so I go to get a facial about every two to four weeks from someone that is very, very good at that. So I've actually gotten to be exposed to many different protocols and perspectives too, just because I'm traveling. So I'm not in the same person's office every single time, though, obviously I would probably go back to someone I really liked every time if I was stationary. And then I find that that's very helpful. And also the products. So the products I use, I use face reality products. That's simply because one of the facial places I went to was in Chicago. I've also heard of, I think it's Essence or Essence or something. That's a very more natural beauty line that I've come across at a few different places in New York and in Austin, Texas. So people really seem to like that program as well. And I just use the face reality because that's what I've had. And it's a little more clinical approach than the all natural. I'm hoping because I've seen such great results in that protocol to continue it until it's really stabilized and then move over to more natural products when I feel like it's not going to backtrack all the progress I have made so far. And obviously I maybe could do that now, but I'm pretty happy with where I'm at so far with the face reality stuff. And then the inner outer, the outer is the skin and what I'm putting on it. And also being aware of things like your pillowcases and detergents and 
try not to be obsessed with those concerns because I think that worry and stress also affect your body and your acne. So I try not to be too aware, but it, it does make a difference. Like what products you put on your face, also like makeup and things like your detergents. And sometimes they say even your toothpaste can possibly be breaking out if you're breaking out around your mouth. So there's a lot to be said about that. Look up Skin Salvation San Francisco. If you're interested in learning a lot more, they have a lot on their website that has a ton of information around things to avoid and that type of thing. And they also have this really cool thing there where you can dump the ingredient list of the products you're using into it. And then it has this little thing that will analyze all the ingredients and tell you if they're clogging or not and how clogging they may be. So I've been using Tarte makeup personally, cause I just know that overall, most of the products in that line in general are non-clogging, but there are things like, for example, Skin Reality believes, and it seems so counterintuitive cause you hear how good seaweed is to some people and other people in the hormone world will say that it's not good. There's a lot of conflict advice too. So you got to figure out what feels right for you. But they would say that the sea algae lines can be clogging to put onto the skin. I don't know about eating it, but definitely at least putting it on could be bad. According to skin reality, I don't know that that's true. So really, these are just things I found. I'm not saying I know that this is right. Just because of the microphone doesn't mean I'm perfect at this. It just means these are things I have found to be true inner, outer, and then upper. So I try to also just be as happy as I want to be. I try to law of attraction, not sit here thirsty for clear skin, but be as happy as I will be when my skin is clear, which has been a a Herculean effort, especially when it was really, really bad. I'll show you guys pictures of how bad it was several months ago. Once it's all clear, I do want to do a episode or probably it'll be a vlog because I have looked at so many YouTube videos over the months that I've had this struggle to see success stories and to just know that it's possible to get out and what those paths that people took were. So I'll go into more detail and I'll show you guys the real deal situation of what it was once I'm clear out of the woods. But I do try to even then try as much as I could to be as happy as I thought I would be once the skin actually was clear. So that's the upper law of attraction, staying in alignment. And then downer is also to recognize that there may be trapped emotions in my body that are holding me down that I'm not even aware of. And I'm sure I'll share more about that in a future episode. I think I've spent a lot of time covering this right now, but I will say there is some interesting experiences I've had with releasing trapped emotion. And I'm sure that will come up in a future episode on The Lively Show. So that's my answer to that question. Now we'll move on. Erica O said, I'm interested in knowing if you're following politics around the world in the US. I don't need your personal opinions, of course, but are you keeping up with politics while traveling? So as I said, Tuesday's episode is my answer to that question. Now we have Annie Bauer who said, how is the transition from working at an office to working anywhere? What structures and boundaries do you have in place or is it all flow? I'll soon be moving back to the States and working remotely from my team in China and would love any tips. It's all flow for me. You're probably not surprised about that. That's just me. I don't really have any tips other than go with your intuition and do what feels right for you. Now we have Emmy Distinova who said, hi, Jess, you've mentioned reading power versus force again. Have you tried muscle testing yourself? And have you ever been to a kinesiologist? That book blew my mind. And of course it aligns beautifully with the law of attraction. Yes, it totally does align with the law of attraction 100%. 
Also, it's fascinating to see the parallels in David Hawking's, the author of Power Versus Forces story, to Eckhart Tolle in some ways. Obviously, they have different things that they've done with their enlightenment, if you will, but he has an interesting story of being super blissed out in similar ways that Eckhart describes. I have muscle tested myself, and that's part of what I use to untrap those trapped emotions in the past. Like I said, I'll share that in a future episode. And no, I have not been to a kinesiologist. Though, as you mentioned this, and I'm here in Australia, I have heard Australians the most of anyone I've ever heard of. I've pretty much, I think, only heard about people going to kinesiologists in Australia. I'm sure there are kinesiologists that do muscle testing elsewhere outside of Australia, but it just happens to be the place I always hear my friends describe their experiences. So maybe I'll find one. Maybe it'll flow for me in the coming weeks, and that'd be a fun thing to share here on the show. Now we have Golden Light Girl asks, sometimes it's hard to believe if good things are happening because I'm in alignment or is it a coincidence? I would say it's alignment. You may feel it's coincidence. Tomato, tomato, whatever it is, appreciate it. (laughs) Now we have Lizzie B19 said, what lifestyle changes do you make to help you get into alignment? Sleeping more, healthy eating, et cetera. Any tips? As I said, I'll be having a little thing for you about this in more detail, but yes, I do actually think that healthy eating helps me stay in alignment. When I'm not eating healthy, I don't feel as good on the inside, and that I do think does create a more difficult alignment experience. If I really look at the patterns I think I was more irritated when I was eating more inflammatory foods for myself before I did the flow protocol. And I had a coach once say, well, if you stop eating irritating foods to your system, I wonder if you're going to stop feeling emotionally as irritated with experiences in your life. And I actually do think that there is some connection there. I didn't ever have a problem with sleeping more or less. So that was kind of consistent. Yeah, I really do think the healthy eating really did a lot to help me stay in alignment. Eating really healthy foods helps me stay feeling good. And when I feel good, then it's easier to get into alignment emotionally because my body is not something that is holding me down or making me think or focus on the discomfort of it as much. Lizzie number three said, hi, Jess, where to next? Still feeling drawn to Europe and England? Do you feel like you'll do a favorites episode anytime soon? It's so awesome that you're so connected to all your followers. Thanks for taking the time to answer us. Well, thank you, Lizzie. That is so sweet of you. I do feel still drawn to England and Europe. Right now, though, I have loved, 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 loved being in one place for one month and not moving around. People keep asking as I'm here, so what have you seen of Australia? And I'm like, I've seen Sydney and I've seen Darlinghurst and Potts Point. And you know what? I've seen a a few other areas too. I'm not going to say I haven't gone around more than that, but I am loving that I have a punch card at the coffee shop around the corner and it has like 21 cups of coffee. Well, I use iced tea, of course, but it has those little punches. And once you get it, you get a free one. I am determined. My life joy right now comes from filling out that punch card. I'm so happy to be in one place after 10 months of travel. So yes, I'm excited to go back to England and Europe in the summer. But right now I am really loving, especially as I'm working as much as I am for the classes at the moment to just be in one place and not be traveling, if you will. Do I do any favorites episodes anytime soon? Right now, I'm not feeling drawn to the favorites episodes. I've noticed that the downloads on them too also reflect that feeling of not feeling drawn to them. It's still doing well. It's not, you know, the end of the world. I could still keep doing them, but I think people are more drawn looking at the comments and the feedback and everything to these Q&A episodes and the law of attraction, alignment, practical, rational 
science, all that new stuff that I'm into. So right now I'm not focusing so much on the favorites episodes at the moment, but that doesn't mean they couldn't come back in the future. Ace Wan said, hi Jess, I tend to focus a lot on the past and keep overthinking about events and trivial things in the past, like why I said something and why it's wrong or how I could have articulated better or behaved differently. I spend a lot of hours doing this. Do you have any suggestions of being more present and letting go of the past? Oh, I remember doing this a lot, especially when I was younger. I do remember doing this in two ways. I remember thinking a lot about the past and dwelling and yeah, having this negative recursive thought pattern go through and validate all these emotions that were really negative to just kind of dwell basically what you're describing. I also in the past used to spend a ton of time when I was younger pre-planning and pre-practicing different conversations with people that I was going to have in the future. So maybe you're also doing this or maybe other people might be more future dwellers than past dwellers. Either way, I don't focus on those nearly as much as I used to. I think the past might have a stronger pull to me than to pre-plan a conversation. That really doesn't bother me anymore. And it's probably because years ago, I was very into learning about A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is a fascinating text that has its own, I could do a whole episode just on A Course in Miracles, but all of that to say, one of the things that A Course in Miracles points out is that your true nature, your intuition will give you exactly the right words to say the moment you need to say them, not a moment before or a moment after. That's not exactly the phrasing that they use, but that's the gist of it. You will get exactly the right words to use, not a moment before or a moment after. So if you are fully in the present, there is nothing better you can do to plan or prepare other than to basically just be in alignment and then speak from the heart. So what I took from that years ago was that dwelling over the past is not useful because it's not coming out of my heart right now in the conversation with someone. So it's done. I can't change it. So I've kind of let go of that. And I think that's where you're dwelling, but I don't know. I didn't really struggle with that as much. That just might be my personality type too. I'm learning more about ENFPs lately on personality hackers podcast, thanks to someone's recommendation on Instagram. And the ENFP I think has like the weakest tie to, they were saying in this episode I was listening to, I don't know if this is true, but what I was hearing was that they were saying, there's not a lot of dwelling going on in an ENFP. (laughs) So I don't think I have that as much just in general, but that just might be my personality. However, the future stuff I definitely used to do. And in those cases, I now just keep defaulting back to everything you will need to say will come perfectly the moment you need to say it, not a moment before or a moment after. For me, just knowing that and believing it and integrating that into my life was what I needed to make that shift. So it may not be enough for you. If it's not enough, I would write to your intuition to get more advice for you specifically. But for me, understanding and deeply, deeply, deeply believing that everything I need to say will be there the moment I need to say it and not a moment before, a moment after, has been really helpful. That doesn't mean I don't prepare notes and stuff for the show or anything like that, but I think it means if you're having a difficult conversation with someone, pre-planning that is just your ego trying to manipulate an outcome versus coming from your most authentic, true self and trusting that if you're coming from the frequency of love, that everything's going to unfold in your favor. Absolutely, always, and yes. Jessica L. Kelly said, what are your go-to mantras to help you get into alignment? This is really interesting. I don't have a mantra too much that's my go-to to 
get me into it. I use them when I'm in them, I guess, though. I do say certain things, but I can't say, this totally gets me into alignment in one second or 1.2 seconds flat. So I do say a lot, I love and appreciate you, or I love and approve of you internally. That is something that Louise Hayes brought up in her work that I found this summer, and I have really appreciated that. So love and appreciation and other mantras of just, I appreciate, and I will list 10 things I appreciate in this moment that I can think of whenever I want to. That I think helps me get more into alignment than the pure I love and appreciate you, Jess, but I don't think it hurts to say that to myself because often I will catch myself seeking love and approval from external sources. So it's not necessarily going to get me into full alignment to say that, but I do think it helps distract me from the external seeking aspect. The thing that actually helps me feel emotionally higher vibrationally is more around the ideas of I appreciate this about my life. I appreciate that about my life. And I just look around and try to find things to appreciate. Like right now I could do it and say, I appreciate these wonderful questions. I appreciate that there's this candle in front of me. I appreciate that I have a fun day ahead of me. I appreciate that Joe is going to edit this episode. I appreciate that the Airbnb I'm staying at is really well designed. I appreciate that it's really quiet right now and I can sit and talk with you and there's no distractions going on in my life, you know? So I can appreciate that the sun is shining today. I can appreciate the world is turning on its axis perfectly and we didn't have to pay a dime for that to happen. There's no rent in the human race for the, the planet to turn. How amazing is that? So those are some things that then I actually feel better. Even just doing that right now, I feel better because I did that. So that would be, I guess, my go-to mantra personally. And actually that totally aligns with Boho Gypsy's question, which is also about affirmation. So I would say my answer applies to that one as well. Now we have Cameron Arian who said, how have you dealt with jet lag and kept yourself healthy with all the traveling? What do you do when you're experiencing low energy from moving around? Thanks, Jess. This is all about flow. So I actually... I maybe got sick once, or maybe I felt like I was going to get sick a few times. When that happens, I simply rest. That's it. I just take naps. I don't go walk 12 miles that day. I just rest when I need to. Jet lag, as far as that goes, I just give myself the patience to get through it. I don't have any magic there. (laughs) I give myself patience with the jet lag and I rest when I feel my body is tired. And I think because I'm so willing to rest when it feels tired and not push, I don't get sick because I'm just able to rest. And I think that sickness comes when our body needs to rest. So if we don't take the rest when we need it beforehand, the body pushes to that point and then we have to take the rest. I'll do it electively before it's mandatory, (laughs) if you will. Anna Primrose said, hi, Jess. I would love to know if you could share some tips for getting into flow whilst also working in an office environment. I find I get so much done at the weekend and it all seems to flow so well, but I really struggle to find flow when it comes to working to my boss's expectations, being at my desk for certain hours, etc. And link to that is love to hear any recommendations for habitual procrastinators when it comes to finding flow. You don't sound like you've ever suffered from procrastination, but for many of us, the struggle is real and any tips would be great. Okay. Procrastination, I think, is your unconscious realization that alignment is not there. So remember how we say it's alignment before action and emotional frequency before work intensity? I think procrastination is a sign that we're not in alignment about what we're about to do. We're not feeling good enough yet to take action. So there's some unconscious part of us that's resisting the work 
because we're not in the alignment yet. But once we're in the alignment, I believe the action, I have seen it in my own life, becomes very clear of what to do or how to approach the thing I don't want to do. So if I can give you any suggestions, recognize, okay, if I feel like procrastinating, that's a sign I'm not in alignment. Let me not go try to do the thing yet. Let me go find more joy right now. Because procrastination is usually linked to checking out and becoming more numbed. So that's not about getting happier. You may go watch hours of television, but it's not like hours of television you brought you more joy. You weren't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to treat myself to this marathon. Usually you feel like, oh my gosh, you're beating yourself up for watching tons of hours of TV. So when you can recognize that the procrastination urge is a sign that you're not giving yourself full permission to really be happy, go do things that really light you up. Don't do things that numb you out or check you out. Do things that light you up that aren't in the area of the subject. Because if you're procrastinating at work, you're still not doing the work. So let's be real. You can say, oh, I have to do the work. No, you're not. If you're procrastinating, you're not doing the work. (laughs) So whatever you're doing that's not the work, find a different thing to do that's not the work that feels better, that feels fun. And then once you're in the highest vibration, you can get into given your current circumstances. Maybe you're not going to get to level 10, but you have time to get to level two from zero or negative two. Get to that level two and see what the vantage point, the perspective you have looks like from there. It's kind of like if you think about a mountain, if you're at the ground floor of that mountain, you're not really or you could even say at the level of the problem of the work, you know, you're not really going to have much perspective. You're going to be staring at it straight in the eye. But if you can get to a higher frequency, it's kind of like climbing the mountain or getting a little higher up on that scale, your perspective, your understanding, you're going to see everything at a distance clearer and you're going to have either a circumstance change in between then and when you actually take action. So maybe the law of attraction will bring you a different set of circumstances. I see that happen a lot for myself where if I'm not in alignment about something, I'll just get into alignment about it. And then in the interim between when I wasn't in alignment and when I was, something changed about that circumstance that was even more aligned for me and a better fit. Or I just understand I don't need to do that at all, or I'd rather approach it from this perspective. So those would be suggestions is get into alignment first and then see how you feel about the subject or how you want to go forward with it, because it is going to be your alignment more than your intensity that will create the outcomes you're getting. I know in a work environment that if you have someone who's straight up rational, like not going to think about any of this, that may be an interesting experiment for you. Just look at it as a wonderful experiment. Don't look at it as a handicap. Look at it as an experiment to go, how can I, given my current circumstances, find as much flow? And maybe the procrastination, if you are at your desk and you can't go like go for a run or pet your dog or watch TV, maybe you sit there and you list out 30 things that you appreciate on your desktop, on your computer, in an email to yourself. No one's going to know that you're typing that instead of wasting time on Facebook or doing whatever else that's not keeping you in alignment, that's numbing you out. Typing is typing, right? So if you're procrastinating and doing something that involves the computer, maybe spending that time writing 30 things you appreciate out, see if that helps change your frequency where you're at. That would be my suggestion because I just know for myself that is such a way for me to feel aligned. Like I said, that's, I guess, if you had to say one go-to mantra, it would be finding appreciation for a lot of stuff and building up that kind of uh, almost like static charge. It's like rubbing the carpet and getting that static cling. That appreciation just like gets you charged up, or at least it does for me. Now we have E. Pichel. 
She said, hey, Jess, love you. What are your thoughts on reconciling the laws of attraction with a religious belief in a higher being who has ultimate control over your life? If I believe in God and that he directs my life, how can I also believe in the laws of attraction? This is so interesting. So I love all spirituality. And in my interpretation of the spirituality that is Christian or Buddha or any of those, I feel a little differently. So I don't know that I have an example or a response for your belief in a higher being that has ultimate control over your life. I believe, and it does not mean that I'm right or wrong. It's just like, I look at it a little differently. I look at it as be still and know that I am God, which is something in the Bible. Like to me, that's being still and getting still in a meditative state. And then knowing that I am within me is God. And the I am within you is God. And the I am within the person next to you listening to this episode is God. So God to me is within us all and is not a separate being that has a will for us that's not our own. So like we're that directing force. I don't know that it's the, it's not the ego consciousness we have that's directing that force. So when we say, oh, they have a better plan for me, I believe our intuition always has a better plan for us than the ego. (laughs) But to tap into that plan to me is to tap into what I would call God. So law of attraction would say that you are God, you are everyone. And not like you are God and no one else is like, we are all creators of our reality and of our experience. And we're all at least a part of that greater being. This is stuff I'm not trying to create division or anything, but this is just to me to share how to me, the law of attraction is about you creating your reality. You are the creator. So once you have that, the law of attraction is showing you that what you focus on is what you attract, period. Doesn't mean that you're good or bad or that you're any less or more God than anyone else. It's just your ability to understand how to use these principles in this experience that we have, we call life, will determine what outcomes you get in this experience we call life this time around. But as far as thinking there is another being that has a will for you, law of attraction, I don't know. I I don't really, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that because that's not where my personal mind is at. So that's my honest answer to that. By the way, if you want to know how this could work, I would write to your intuition or pray to the Holy Spirit and to put it in other terms to see what you sense or feel about that. Maybe it doesn't align with your beliefs or maybe it does in a way that I'm not recognizing right now. I would say that your Holy Spirit or intuition knows what's right for you. Morg Max said, hey Jess, love your show and all that you put out into the world. I know you have mentioned many times that you've been working on what you do for the last decade. I'm wondering if you've always been drawn to this work or if there was something that led you there. Thanks for all you do. That's an interesting question. Yes, since I was, I think in sixth grade, my nickname and I self-coined the nickname in basketball was Inner Peace. Now, I was not a peaceful child, but I find it fascinating that I, even at sixth grade, wanted inner peace. (laughs) I was seeking it more than I had it, but I was always into, I think that's such a funny nickname to choose for yourself when you're not a peaceful person, but I was always drawn to things in this way. And also when I was in college, I was just so miserable not having inner peace that I was like, I know I need to figure this out for myself and I'd love to share it with others that are struggling too. And then in high school as well. So there's like those three memories that stick out. Inner peace being something I wanted from a young age. In high school, I went and took my first philosophy class class and loved it because I love the idea 
as a, what, 16-year-old in high school, thinking of being in Greece, sitting in a cafe, this is such a 16-year-old American, has never traveled much, <laughs> point of view, sitting in a cafe, debating what it means to live a good life with these old Greek men that are drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. This is what I had in my head. That I was like, really thought that would be so much fun. Like, what could be more fun than to debate and have a lively conversation about what it means to live a good life? And if you look at what I do now, all of those things kind of tie together to do what I am doing now. So yeah, the jewelry business was a beautiful stepping stone for me, but all along the way, this is the work I truly wanted most deeply to do. Now we have Star Opone who said, you talked in one Q&A episode about how it's easier to start practicing these principles when you have a big change on the horizon. Like an example was living with a guy and knowing the relationship was ending at the end of the lease. Can you talk more about this? I have a timeline in my current job before I can make the big shift for career, family, and self, and don't want to feel like I'm wasting time or just being a slave to my ego since I am waiting. Thank you for keeping me sane with your fresh perspective. Okay, so thank you for sharing your example because I've already talked about the relationship stuff, so I won't go back through that. I will say for you with this job, as you're here, your ego has some perspective that's probably pretty crappy about your situation. It's probably very anxious and antsy and impatient about getting to the next step. And at the same time that that is happening, there is a point of view that is in your intuition that is peaceful and true. And I would like for you to start to write your intuition and go back and forth as much as you need between those two voices and start to pull your awareness apart and detach it from the ego's point of view. I want you to keep being aware and keep noticing both points of view as much as possible and just pull your awareness. What you're doing is creating space for your awareness to notice the ego and to notice and begin to tap into the intuition. Because your situation's not changing right now, this is the perfect time to do this. As your situation changes so quickly, it's hard to sometimes really pull the voices apart because you're always shifting your attention to different subjects. But when you're in the same place, you have the opportunity to really tell them apart and really get familiar because they're often going to have the same advice. You're just going to get better at going back and forth and pulling your attention and awareness off of the ego's drama and into awareness of the ego having its fit without you being so attached to it. So that would be my suggestion. It is perfect for this point in your time. And if you have a relationship like I had that wasn't ending until four months later, but you knew it's going to, or anything that's difficult, you have someone in your family has a terminal illness and you have the ego has an opinion about that and your intuition has an opinion about that. Anything that is difficult, that is enduring is a perfect time to build that awareness of the two voices because the situation doesn't change. It gives you a ton of practice at going back and forth between the two voices and really pulling them apart. Also, we have J.M. Martin said, I'd love to hear if you're still enjoying your travel capsule wardrobe or if you're starting to get bored with the same items and or how much have you shopped and supplemented along the way? I flow with the shopping and supplementing. I've definitely done a good amount of that for sure, especially as I go to winter stuff. I needed winter clothes, and as I'm now being in summer, I need summer clothes. At this moment, I have a little box of clothes that's probably like 16 by 16 inches. It's like a little cube in my parents' house. I sent it to them after London and Austin and Boston. I had these warm winter clothes that I needed for those few months. So I used them and then I sent them to my parents. So they have like some heels in there and a coat and a few long pairs of pants and 
you know, some sweaters. So that's there. And then right now I have summary stuff. I've definitely supplemented and gifted and donated along the way. I am currently a little bit bored with it. And like I said, I'll just buy new things when I want to. It's really not that hard to do it. Just donate, buy when you want, just follow your flow. <laughs> it's really, it's really easy when you just follow what brings you joy in the present moment. <laughs> Things like this get really, really simple. C.R. Chow said, love your new direction of the podcast, Jess. You often talk about giving yourself grace or compassion in different circumstances. Can you share some examples of how this works? Like what you say to yourself in that moment, especially in times of not feeling like enough or having guilt around something from the past. Thanks. Yes, I had a situation that's really difficult for me to forgive myself for. I'm not going to get into the details of it. It's personal, but I will say I had a lot of interesting emotion around it. And that happened last holiday. So not this holiday, but the holiday before. And I really, really, really was beating myself up over it. And what helped me with this whole idea of, what were you saying, compassion in different circumstances, the thing that I used... This is just for me. So if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. But this is what I did. I just kept saying, I believe the universe has infinite grace, infinite grace, infinite grace. And if the world is infinite grace, infinite grace can hold me and all of the things that I've done that are wonderful, that are loving and kind, and this thing that was not loving or wonderful and kind. And that my entirety of who I am and my behavior, even in that moment that I really, really regretted, is contained in infinite grace. I, it's not too big for that container. That container can hold me all of the wonderful things I've done and that thing that I'm having a hard time forgiving myself for. And as I kept leaning into that feeling of infinite grace, that it's okay, I'm not, this feeling or this 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 action I took is not bigger and, and unable to be held in infinite grace. That's what helped me start to loosen that vice grip my ego had on the subject. Now we have our Lauren Lopez who said, hi, Jess, thank you for sharing your inspiring podcast. Can you share how you stay in alignment when traveling with a partner? I find so much joy in alignment while traveling alone for spending most of my day alone while visiting someone who is working, but find it harder to stay in alignment and flow when traveling with someone else. Do you have any tips? I don't because I'm not traveling alone. <laughs> That's not something I can share on yet. I hope to do that in the future. That will be amazing. That will be wonderful when I get to share what that's like. When I'm around other people, and I have obviously spent many of these points of my trip with other people, so it's not like every single day I'm totally alone, although that happens a lot now. But when I'm with other people, I tend to just go with the flow so I usually let them drive the car, if you will, and just go with it and feel good. And that brings me a lot of joy. You may not be that personality type, but I tend to just let them, you know, if they want to show me an area, I go with it. I also share with them when I don't, you know, when I don't feel like doing something, I'll be honest with them and say, you know, right now I'm really feeling like it'd be, it feels so great to relax right now. And they usually will go with that. But often I'm just like, so appreciative of how they want to show me new things or the things we do together. And I think being in alignment helps a lot too, but you're saying, you know, yeah, that's actually what I would say. If you're saying about flow, getting into alignment for yourself, not looking for the partner to keep you in alignment, but getting into alignment before you interact with that partner. So having a great morning thing that you do that gets you into a good feeling place before you interact with your partner, that would be what I would suggest. 
get into a good place on your own before you start interacting and traveling with the partner during the day and then finding the flow from there. So if your alignment's not dialed up very high, then it could probably be a little bit more resistance and a little more friction between you and the person you're traveling with. But if you get into alignment first and then you go into that situation, I think it'll be easier to flow together and be on the same page. And when it's not, your frequency is going to be so high that it's not going to bother you as much as it will when you're out of alignment. All right, last but not least, we have Joanna Platt who said, yay, I put a note on my phone with my question. So glad I saw this. Regarding your podcast, how do you plan your solo shows? How do you capture ideas and then decide which to focus on? Do you outline your thoughts or write the episode out first? It depends on the episode. So if I'm doing the solo shows, I have spent six hours doing one of them recently. What was that one? I think it was the rational, transrational, and the woo-woo subject about why some people reject woo-woo and others don't. That took six hours. And that's just like writing out the notes. It's not a script. It's just the notes and pulling the information so I know who said what and what experiment or what term is this and to be able to define it for you guys and not just say it off the top of my head kind of thing. So I'll put down a ton of notes. I write in big text too, but it could be like 10 to 20 pages of notes <laughs> at an 18 point font, just because it's easier for me to read and see as I'm speaking. And yeah, some of those are super really written out. The things I'm afraid to tell you episode I did was just a bullet pointed list of things I was afraid to say. And I just said it. And then this episode, I'm literally just looking at my phone right now and scrolling through the comments and that's it. So it depends on the episode. So I outline them mostly. Um, how do you capture ideas and decide what to focus on? That I find flow in. So I feel like what feels like it's bubbling up? What feels like something I want to share? For example, this is an interesting law of attraction story. The whole subject you saw, a lot of people asked about the news and world events. I was getting a bunch of questions about that. And as I said on Tuesday's episode, my ego did not want to talk about it, did not want to address it because it knew it was not capable of giving you a response that would be truly useful for everyone that would listen to to it. So I was resisting it. And in the resisting of it, I was shouting, no, I don't want this question. No, I don't want this question. I don't want to answer it. And the universe gives you what you're focusing on. It's not about what you want. It's about what you focus on. So alignment is about learning to focus on the things you want rather than the things you don't want. So you get more of what you want than what you don't want. But as I shouted, no, in my head at answering that question, I just had it more and more showing up in my life because I was resisting it. So the way of transmuting that could have been shifting my attention to other subjects, but the way I actually got peace around it was actually learning how can I peacefully answer that question. And once I wrote to my intuition and did that episode, all the questions that I was getting like multiple a day at that point for a few days stopped. It was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. And I think it was because in my belief, it was I stopped having resistance to the question. Now, anytime anyone asks me about that, I'm going to say, hey, I did an episode on it. Here's where you can go. So there's no resistance to the question coming in. I'm not focused on it anymore. There's no energy going in that direction. So now it's at peace. So that was something that became top of mind. I'll also have a note on my phone and I'll like write down a subject or a phrase or something that comes up in conversation with someone or something I'm studying. And I go, oh my gosh, that would be a great thing to share. And then I think about what can I share at the end of the day that I can be in most alignment about. So what's going to make me so excited to share with you this week? I may have tons of ideas right now of things I want to do down the line, but what this week 
can I share and be the most excited and aligned about? That kind of is actually what's becoming the episodes that you get each week. And like I said, it could be triggered from a conversation, a question I keep getting, or just something that comes up in what I'm learning. So there's not too much rhyme or reason other than I really want to find as much alignment before speaking to you as possible. And whatever I can do to tap into that alignment is really what you're resonating with. So that subject that I have most alignment and excitement around is the thing that I should share next. So that's how I look at it. There you have it, guys. Thank you guys so much for your questions. We're getting so many now in these episodes that it's impossible for me to answer those in less than probably five hours. <laughs> so I'm gonna stop it here. But if you'd like to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, and as you know, I do ask for the questions for these episodes on Instagram every month. So you just have to stay tuned and hope you see the picture that has the details. You can find me over at Jess C as in Charlie Bears Lively. And please don't forget, it is Jess C as in camping, Kogi Beach, it is a C. I had an email from another Jessica Lively who owns at Jess Lively on Instagram. And she said, please tell your listeners to stop adding me in their feeds. I know it's so simple and so easy. It'd be so wonderful if I owned Jess Lively without the C, but that is not the case. So please find me over at Jess C as in Charlie Bears Lively. For show notes for this episode, hop over to jesslively.com slash February 2017 questions. Before I share what I'm up to next, let's talk with Joy LaForme about her experience with today's sponsor, squarespace.com. Joy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jess. I'm excited to share you with The Lively Show. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a print and pattern designer. I design all kinds of artwork and patterns. I do it for textile studios and large companies. I sell the prints to them and they use them for home decor and women's wear, children's wear, all kinds of stuff. You are very talented at what you do. And your website also shows that. Tell us a little bit about the background of the website that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, I used to be a web designer when I graduated from college, and I wanted to build my entire website from scratch right away when I started freelancing. And I maintained my own website for a while, but as I began to make the transition from web design to graphic design and then to print and pattern work, I really found that that transition was taking a lot of time, and I didn't really have the time I needed to devote to my website. I really needed something that would take the responsibilities of maintaining something so difficult off of my desk. I'm pretty picky when it comes to how it looks too, and so I really needed it to look beautiful. And so Squarespace became the option. Why? Well, I had been seeing a lot about Squarespace on Pinterest and on Twitter, and so I became sort of interested in it. And I checked it out during the free trial just to see what it was like, and I absolutely loved that it gave me the ability to mess with the back end and add my own CSS so that I could really create all kinds of fonts and colors and twist the layout a little bit to make it my own. I still use one of the templates that they provide, but I've totally customized it to be my own template. That's awesome. And it kind of gives a lot of fresh perspective for anyone that also knows CSS or web coding and still wants the ease of use that Squarespace has with support and all the bug fixes and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. What would you recommend for other people who are savvy when it comes to building a website? 
I would recommend to check out all the platforms that exist right now, but at least give Squarespace a try. They are so generous that they offer that free trial because it really makes a huge difference in being able to play with the platform and see if it's a good fit for you. I really felt like they were such an open book and allowing me to get in there and play with all of their different settings and sort of have fun with it and even put my own work in to the portfolio section and get it looking almost like what I would want it to look like if I had paid for it. And so they pretty much had me hooked. What do you love about it the most? Well, I love being able to customize it. That's my absolute favorite part of the platform. I'm constantly changing colors and messing with my branding a little bit here and a little bit there. And so having that flexibility of getting into the back end and changing things very quickly is something that I don't think I would be able to live without. And where can people find your beautiful website online? They can find my website at joylaform.com. And I'm also on Instagram at joy underscore laform. And for anyone listening who wants to give this a shot, whether you're a professional like Joy or you're just starting out and you just want to use all the what you see is what you get features that Squarespace offers, you can get a free 14-day trial by going over to squarespace.com lively. That's a great way to get a free trial and support the show. And if you're excited to move forward, you get 10% off your service by typing the word lively at checkout. So use that to save yourself some money and give it a shot for free. Joy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're so welcome, Jess. And now for a sneak peek. This weekend, I'm headed to Woi Woi for the weekend. What is that for alliteration for you? Woi Woi for the weekend. Apparently, it's a city outside of Sydney, about an hour and a half away. I'll be taking a train there to go hang out with my friends, Jessica Nazarelli and Faze Nazarelli. So excited to spend time with them. They're such an uplifting couple. And yeah, I'm going to do that for this weekend and then this next week, I will be working on flow and life with intention. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>